And I'm extra happy today because we just finished the last day of Black History Month. Black History Month. And a lot of people say, are we making progress? Well, for you young folks in the house, it used to be called Negro History Week. Now we're going from a week to a month. But you know, when they got ready to give us a month, it'd be that month of February with all them damn days missing, right? Welcome back. We are back like we never left. It's 2024, y'all. Welcome back to another season of the Black Jackson Estate podcast. You had to have missed us. I missed us. I missed all this blackness in the world of Michael Jackson podcast. It's 2024. It's our very first episode of the year and of the new season. This is actually our fifth year doing this podcast. We're so proud to be a part of the Michael Jackson fan community and to be able to bring a very unique perspective on the life and legacy of Michael Jackson. I'm user one and I'm joined by user 1.5 and user 3.5 on this very special Black History Month spotlight of the Black Jackson Estate podcast. User 1.5, what it is, what it do. What's your name? It ain't Ashley Blue. What's going on 1.5? No, I'm not Ashley Blue, but that's my bookie and I love her. We're back. Amen. Here we are. Here we are. It's February. Uh-huh. Black History Month. Talk about it. Um, this is the one month of the year that we should all be as black as we possibly can be. Mm-hmm. We we black 365, but 365. we definitely blackity black black. These 29 days this year. <laughs> we got an extra day. We got an extra day. And given that we are the realest, the baddest, and the blackest, yeah. Michael Jackson podcast in the land. In the land. It's only right that we do it up for Black History Month, where we celebrate the legacy of a real black superhero, Michael Jackson. How you feel about being back in our fifth five years? Our first episode came out in March of 2019, and me and Ashley were up and set. <laughs> The Black Jackson Estate came to exist out of fury. The, the, the Leaving Neverland saga definitely inspired us to step up and jump in the conversation um, in a way that Michael fans have not consistently been able to do um, and making sure that we defend his blackness and defend the fact that uh, he fought against racism and even in his death is continuing to defeat or attempt to defeat the system of racism um, that has tried to take control over his estate. And so you'll go to our Twitter and you'll see the top tweet pinned to our profile is that we call ourselves the Black Jackson estate because the official estate fails to reflect the diversity our King of Pop fought for in his career. And it's our belief that the Black voices are fundamental to support a Black hero like Michael Jackson. So. Y'all were hyped on that first episode and but yeah. Ashley's always hype so yeah it wasn't really out of character really you're always hype but you're not as hype as her which is somehow difficult to do but also true in the same sense mm, I think I pick it I'm picking up what you yeah and so you know I came along a little later <laughs> on were you supposed to be a sea of calm I yes I'm the lifeboat in the middle of this Capricorn sea of craziness you are okay. Ashley 
If that's how you want to frame one. it. Oh, okay. I'm the peaceful Virgo. one. Virgo. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. Well, you know, I mean, yeah. Well, let me say this. Also, Ashley is still a part of this podcast. She is still a part of the Black Jackson Estate podcast. It's just that she is out here trying to save Paul Paul from himself. And God bless <laughs> because every time I think like Not she's going to be able to come back, Paul Paul does something. What did he do this time? He can't remember anything. Well, we knew that. He did. He's old. I know, and it's not He's ageism. Old. Let me be clear. It's not ageism. But the same way they say you can, you're too young to ride this ride, a.k.a. be president, we need to also set a cap on the other end and say, you're too old, you must mm-hmm. get off this ride. And let's be you clear. You must get off. That now, the DOJ said that Papa, and this is not a political podcast, but they said that Papa, we are a political. <laughs> they said he would get documents, you know, sometimes classified, highly classified military, and then he will forget where he put them, and he will forget to give them back. And and to be fair, I forget where I put things as well. Like I clean them up, and then I put them somewhere so I don't forget where I clean them up to. I lost my credit card. Remember I told you where I don't know where it's at. Exactly. I really don't recall last time I saw it. So it's not ageism. It's just sir. At this point, go go home with Jilly and the grandchildren and enjoy the rest of your days. Yeah, I think it's time for that to happen. But regardless, Ashley's out here fighting the good fight from her view, from her perspective. A lot of people's perspective who do not want to see the other guy uh, kind of float back into power. But anyway, we miss her very, very much. Cannot wait to have her back on the show because, again, this is year five for us. We started all the way back in 2019 with episode one, Stop in the Name of Love. And from there, we have been rocking ever since we've recorded over. I can't even count dozens and scores and scores of episodes <laughs> scores. for Michael How Jackson. How many is the score? How a many is the 20. score? 20. Okay. All right. I, listen, don't play me. Okay. And not only that, we've met so many wonderful people, made so many friends who are now family to us along the way, who when we're in their city and you can ask people this, we go, hey, what's up? What you doing? You free? Let's hang out. We love the Michael fan community. We certainly love the many people we've met along the way who have become more than just Michael uh, acquaintances, but people we enjoy being with and hanging out with. So shout out to the Michael Jackson fan community. Let's get into it. Let's talk a little bit about, let's do, let's go through a little news. Now, if you guys don't already know, we house our news every month inside of Patreon. If you're not a Patreon subscriber, you gotta go subscribe to Patreon. Take advantage of our last month of a free trial subscription because it's Black History Month. I mean, how could we not? We're doing it. Go over there after you listen to the episode. Matter of fact, you can pause this episode right now. Go sign up for Patreon. Hear what's happening in our Patreon, um, where we generally carry all of our news, but there's always a little, uh, a little, what's it called when your boob hangs out of your bra? What they call it? That little extra overage. We always have a little side boob of news. That's not, Okay. We always have a little side boob of okay. news. But you get what I'm trying to say? I'm I'm trying to follow you. I think you got it. But you try to you try to leave me off a cliff and I don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> so this is our side boob of news okay. from Michael for, for February. Because we've already covered a lot of news in Patreon right now. We've talked about the We Are the World documentary, many other things. But we got a little leftover that we didn't get to talk about or that's happened since then. So let's get into it. The Grammys happened mm, a couple weeks ago. The Grammys, I, I don't know. User user 1.5, are you a fan do you, does anyone watch the grammys anymore truly to to enjoy it or just to complain like what's the point of, of or how does this work now i mean they said this was like the most watched grammys in like years 
I didn't watch it personally. I prefer to let it happen and then to go back and watch it on like TikTok in little blurbs and sections because that's Bite really all I have pieces. the patience for. Got it. Um, and I didn't know half of the performers up there. Let me be real honest. I'm old. Okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, the Grammys was a big deal. Beyonce graced us with her presence probably for the last time uh, on the Grammys, uh, not on the Grammy stage, but at the Grammys. And Beyonce wholly looked like she didn't want to be there. And good for her. I love that for her. Well, we we take this from a different perspective. We've seen many Grammy Awards and we've seen them um, when they were, people were still actually watching them. User 3.5, the voice of Gen Z at the Black Jackson Estate Podcast, also known as Tech Guy. What, what about you and your friends? Do you guys, were you interested in the Grammys or was it just kind of like it's on, you know, and, and, and let's see it? Um, <laughs> the Grammy to me is just a place of recognition. That's all. A place of recognition, you said? Okay. Is it something that you and your friends were inter- talking about, interested in, or no? Uh, not, not really. really. Yeah. No. I think it's lost its usefulness or whatever. Everything not has its usefulness. <laughs> everything has its day. And I think at this point, people complain more about the Grammys than actually talk about how good it was or whatever. So that's just my take on it. But if you love the show, great. I'm happy for you. Um, Taylor Swift took home her fourth album of the year for an album released called Midnight's, I believe. Um, and that sets a new record for the Grammys. Most uh, album of the year grammys won by an artist okay and so i believe so if i'm wrong here you swifties just correct me and it's all good uh so taylor swift takes on that um and of course jay-z won uh the dr dre award for his work and um he took that time during his speech to highlight the fact that the grammys seems to be inconsistent um and they don't seem to be nodding towards what it takes to actually win because he said his wife whom he did not want to embarrass had won more grammys than anybody in grammy history yet she had not won album of the year yes um, she's not won album of the year mm-hmm. and um he he said what he had to say his piece uh there was a lot of commentary afterwards about it Beyonce just kind of stood there like I'm, I'm like just, she normally I'm does. here y'all I mean like yeah so um what what did you first let's talk about let's 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 take it back a tick to Taylor Swift what do you think about her being <laughs> now do you you're now trying to set me up you're I'm trying, trying to set, set me up, up to get at it I, I, don't, I don't understand don't add nobody over no Taylor Swift I know y'all not going to bed over Taylor Swift she is here and can defend herself now us going to bed over, over old dude that's in the ground that's another thing but she can defend herself there's no need to go overboard so uh Taylor Swift is is the epitome of mediocre to me. She is uh, high-level mediocre, but still very mediocre to me. I don't understand the appeal or the draw. Now, I say all that to say this people as love well. Her. People do love her, She's, and I can respect they call it that people love her. They're Swift Swifties. mania. And Taylor I mania. also like some of her songs her songs are catchy but name three uh so you've got shake it off uh back to september that's one of my favorites love story and i, I can't mean, name one i have never heard on purpose I, any of the things you I just do. said you got red you've got bad blood i know her i music, know that one but i just don't think it's great like that would and i hate to bring britney into this but like britney spears's music is catchy Right. You can give her awards for maybe having a fun video or having a catchy song that people like to listen to. But would you give Britney Spears like an album of the year? Like like her vocal 
prowess is not album of the year quality. If Millie Vanilli had to give their Grammys back because they weren't actually singing, even though they had the biggest song that year. So what does that tell you about what the Grammys allegedly stand for? Greatness in vocal, uh, you know, vocal greatness, lyrical greatness, like, I don't, I don't get it. I, I just, well, it sounds but like good for Taylor Swift. I love that for her. <laughs> you said all that to say, but good for Taylor Swift. It mm-hmm. doesn't sound like the Grammys give the award based off of vocals. No, it's like when you're in high school and you're voting for class president, you vote for the popular ones. I don't really even think it's a high school thing. I think it's very much, I think Beyonce's dad came out the next day and talked about how your record label it's polit- It's politics. Yeah, of course. So um, it feels, like, and he said that there weren't weren't enough, even with, with Beyonce's records. You have to have some of that, and that 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 wasn't there for her. So and I do believe they clearly are doing that for Taylor Swift. Anybody can be like, as long as you're in the music industry, you can apply to be on the Grammy, like the 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 board. Like anybody can be nominated by anybody. But in order to vote, like in, to be on that recording academy to vote, anybody can as long as you're in the industry can be nominated to do that. And then I don't know what their process is from there, but it doesn't have to be record labels, heads. It can be anybody that works in the industry. So, I mean, at the end of the day, these are people, this is an industry awarding itself awards. These are people patting themselves on the back, which we should all do. How about I say we do that in my in We my should all do that, but at the same time, like Yeah, because if I don't okay. do it, who's gonna do it? Y'all, y'all raggedies won't do it. So we gonna have to do it. Everybody in that room has more money than I do. How is that relevant? So we're not we're not it's relevant because I don't have any any I I, I don't I'm You're not saying you ain't got no dog in the fight. I period. ain't no craft for okay. y'all got money, y'all got power, y'all have uh, a, a presence, uh in the world, people know who you are, and at the end of the day, I, I think as an artist, and it's like what we do as a as a podcast. Seriously, like at the end of the day, whether two people listen or a thousand people listen, of course we want a thousand people to listen. But if two people enjoy the podcast and enjoy our content, enjoy what we're saying, like that's really what we do it for—to talk about Michael, to uplift him, et cetera, et cetera. So I think as an artist, that should be the same. You should have the same goal. Obviously, you want to win awards. That's validation for all the hard work you put in. But when people enjoy your music, when people say, you know, your music reminds me of this or like even with Michael, your his music. My dad used to play his music all the time. Now I think about, you know, whatever. So I just I, I don't have any good for Taylor. I hate that for Beyonce. Maybe with this new album, she'll win album of the year. We know her man stood up for her, and, I, you know, and, and he could say what he wanted. It was his speech. It was his speech. What you think? You said three point five about Taylor Swift and uh, Jay Z standing up for Beyonce, which he took away from himself to up to talk about her and what how she was he done should. wrong. Four four so, four. So good. Lemonade. For him. He should. After Solange rocked that head, she she Bobby socked him. After Solange gathered him, and then they both told all their damn business in two albums back to back. So he should get up there. Use a 3.5. <laughs> the voice of Gen Z. What are your thoughts on Taylor Swift? Um, My thoughts on Taylor Swift? Very mediocre. Very mediocre. That um, seems to be a popular word when describing yeah. her. Basic. And basic. <laughs> she's not, I don't want to say it's she's not basic. Bas- I wouldn't say that. It's not basic. It's That's just what mediocre not my is. genre. <laughs> mediocre is basic. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I say this. A lot of people like her for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I would say that about anyone who has a large following. People like them for a reason. And it doesn't mean that the reason is good because a lot of people are following Hitler, too. 
So wow. I'm not saying that just because wow. someone's following people. How did Hitler get into this? I'm right, just saying right. that uh, there's a reason people are large numbers of people are following different individuals or groups or whatever. Doesn't mean that the reasoning is good. Doesn't mean that they're not misguided, but there's a reason. And so I look at her and I say, there's a reason why she resonates with so many people and so many people want to hear her music and enjoy her, her output. I'm not a fan. It's, I don't know anyone who really runs around listening to, to Taylor Swift, but that doesn't mean clearly a lot of people do. Sadly, I do. Her stuff is catchy. I can it's see very that. catchy. Um, but anyway, that was this year's Grammys. Shout out to SZA, who took home, I believe, three Grammys for, uh, what's the name of the album? Oh, uh, SOS, I believe. Yeah. And SZA is just, she's, her voice, her vocals just enhance everybody. Her and Doja Cat, her by her. I mean, like, listen, SZA's just got it. She's got it. Uh, she lost to Taylor Swift for, I believe, I'm of the year. And everybody was like, huh? Because statistically, her album was number one longer than Taylor Swift's. So again, the J- Jay-Z's questions about how y'all figuring, how how y'all math be mathing. Swifties would have gone crazy if this is one, for sure. And they could have just been crazy. Because she, in my estimation, just looking and ha- I have heard some of Taylor's songs and I have heard SZA stuff. I am looking at Taylor Swift. I am looking at SZA. I, uh, anyway, um, so that's that. Let's move on to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl, which recently took place again in February. Taylor Swift comes up again in this conversation, so we're just going to skip that because we already talked about this. Thank you. Um, the Chiefs versus the 49ers. This was a thriller of a game that went into overtime with the Chiefs coming out on top. Final score 22-25. Just a heartbreaker right there at the end for all the 49er fans. Let's talk about it because we got at this Super Bowl a halftime show from one of Michael's kids, one of MJ's kids, Usher Raymond. Usher baby. Superstar, international superstar, child star, very big um, Michael Jackson fan, someone whose art is so much heavily based and premised on his love and appreciation for Michael Jackson. Let's talk about Usher's halftime show. First of all, let's just talk about Usher, baby. How deserving was Usher of this moment? Now, I'm going to let Gen Z speak, but not yet, because he don't know nothing about nothing. He don't know nothing about this. So I want to use a 1.5. We came up with Usher. Mm-hmm. Usher was, when you're, when you're, when you're 13, when you're 12, you don't, the 13 and 12 year olds are not attractive to you. The 23 year olds are. <laughs> the grown. That was us with us. Usher was just, he was beautiful. He could sing. He could, he had an acting career at one point. Mm-hmm. How deserving was he of this moment? I mean, Usher is one of my favorite uh, performers. He is a, a great all around performer. He can sing, he can dance. He's not hard to look at. And his music resonates with you in some kind of way. Uh, the first Usher album I remember buying, I remember going to the store to get 8701, and it's still my favorite album, and it will forever be my favorite uh, Usher album. It This was huge. For every millennial, every single millennial who grew up... An Xer. Listening, and, and Gen Xer, the late Gen Xers, though, this was it. This is the Super Bowl halftime performance. This was our like Michael Jackson moment for the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. The same kind of iconic stature that Michael had in 93 when he did the Super Bowl. That's how we feel right now about Usher doing the Super Bowl because it it, it took long a damn enough. Okay. Yeah. It took long enough. Usher. To get Usher. that man out there. 
Well, he went through some. Uh, the last ten years had a rough patch. For him. Uh, well, so he but he overcame that rough patch because be, and here he yes. is. Mm-hmm. Gen Z, what you know about it? What did you think about Usher's performance? I thought I thought Usher's performance was really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite part? My favorite part was or favorite probably, song. Probably when her came out with the guitar. That was nice. She's always going to kill it. She's fantastic. She's always going to bring you some heat. fantastic. And she can sing. Mm-hmm. I mean, she came out with the heat. So, of course, her came out. So did Alicia Keys. So did Jermaine Dupree. So did Lil John. So did Ludacris. Uh, Alicia Keys came Will out. Will I Am. Will I Am came out. A Keys came out with the body Audi for all, for everybody. Um, lots of talk about those vocals that she gave us. But let me tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> she did fine it was fine let me tell you the mark of a real performer she stumbled out the gate that did not shake her yeah she kept going she had to finish her assignment and she she course corrected mm-hmm. and she got it together and all yeah, y'all she, can talk she, about she, now yeah. is how swissy need to watch out alicia keys did a fantastic job i'm not huge alicia keys fan but she did a great job i love that she got to do um if i ain't got you that's probably my favorite song from her yeah, I re- remember when that album came out. Songs in the what? Songs, songs in the key? No, songs in A minor. Songs in A minor. It came out with a companion book of poems. Mm-hmm. I had the book. I had the album. Like that album is, I guess, probably her best album. Period. If you have not heard that album from Alicia Keys, man, you gotta go listen to it. Just go download it. Go add it to your list on Spotify on Apple Music. Also, we had a lot of Michael Jackson references in this we Usher did. performance. Let's talk a little bit about that because the internet went crazy over how Usher made no, he wasn't hiding it. His moment to honor, to truly honor the man who is. In his own words, in his own praise of him, responsible for him being the entertainer he is today. So let's talk about that moment, those moments. Mm-hmm. Okay. User 3.5. Let's talk about your favorite Michael reference because there are quite a few. What was the part where you were like, that's my nigga? When you were like, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. We got to give it to Michael right here. What was the part that made you go, yes? I'm so glad Usher's doing this. Probably when he took off one of the gloves and had that glitter on. And probably when he would implement, it was one song, I forgot the name of it already. But when he implemented it when he was on the skates mm-hmm. and it transitioned to his song, I thought that was nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. mean, can you feel it going yeah. into, oh, my God? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was a Jackson shout out. Truly. Yeah. Right. Not a Michael song. Michael and Jackie wrote it. Michael and Randy running them vocals. Mm-hmm. So a real shout out to the Jacksons, uh, but certainly to Michael. And it's a great yeah. marching band piece. Too, right. So you got to bring in Jackson State University for this show. Marching band. They killed it. Uh, they call them, and let me make sure I get this right. I don't want, cause I don't want nobody to add us, cause we got it wrong. Uh, cause you know them HBCU people. Uh, they no, they don't play. They don't play that mm-hmm. game with you. The Sonic Boom, Jackson State University Sonic Boom. They were the band you saw out there on the field. Yeah, one of the blackest. No, the blackest performance for the Super Bowl that I've ever seen for halftime show at the Super Bowl. He had a marching band. He had Vegas going on in the background. A lot of feedback that I got from people was that it was chaotic. It was chaotic, but in a really good way. And what I've been telling people is that it feels chaotic because Usher, if you haven't seen his residency in Vegas, then it doesn't make sense. But what he was trying to do is 
implement everything that he had in that residency performance into 15 minutes. He was trying to put it into 15 minutes. So I think that's why it felt chaotic, but I think Usher killed it. Anybody who says he didn't is hating. I don't know what else you wanted him to do except for jump out of a plane and land on the stage. I mean, he, he had people on stilts. He had uh contortionists, acrobatics. He had uh, pole dancers. He had, he had everything. He, he had did a, literally he did a Vegas Super Bowl halftime show, which Vegas is, I'm just show. don't understand why people are upset about that. But Jesus came to this world to save, oh my God. to save y'all soul from sin and shame. And y'all had a problem with him. So if there's a problem there, I just imagine y'all have a problem everywhere else. There will be a problem. It don't mean you right. It just means some people are so miserable. They're always looking for something to complain about. That's why I said like, I don't like Taylor Swift, but I can give her her props for being something that a lot of people gravitate towards mm-hmm. i don't know if she smells well i don't know if they just like her lyrics what she's saying i don't know if that cute little girl next door classic american thing is is working for people i don't know what it is but they really like her okay cool i can respect that if you felt it was too chaotic close your eyes turn it off turn the channel <laughs> close your you eyes. don't have to watch it stop don't hurt yourself Not don't strain yourself eyes. usher don't need you to watch his show yeah you can turn to Bonanza. You can turn. You know how many tickets to he sold to his tour just off of his Super Bowl performance? How many? I don't know. I'm just saying <laughs> he sold. He did. That people yeah. immediately. It's went. the greatest promotion in the world. There are millions of people watching this show, and not only are millions of people watching. It, so think about what Michael did. The show you could only watch this. Right. Mm-hmm. You had to watch it. Right. And we know all the history. Everybody's talked about the history behind it. This was the, the Super Bowl trying to take the back the attention from uh, In Living Color, who had from captured everything else. Yeah. Captured mm-hmm. the audience. But think about it. When Michael did the show, you could only watch it on TV. There was no replay the next day unless you saw it on the news or something. Now, if you don't watch it on TV, there are millions watching it on TV. But right after it airs, it's going online and millions and millions and millions of more people around the world are going to catch clips and and it's going to rotate yeah. again and again and again for weeks. Yeah, this is great marketing. No, you don't get paid to do this show, but it's like it's almost like the creme de la creme of your career to say, like, I performed the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. And to perform this particular Super Bowl, which had so much hype around it because of Taylor Swift. Beyonce was there. Jay-Z was there. It was celebrities that we didn't see. Um, And because this game was so big, I couldn't think of a better game for him to be headlining. Good for him. Yeah. What do you think is the best Michael shout out in that performance for you? Um, so I immediately noticed the white outfit as mm-hmm. a nod to Michael's victory tour outfit. So I like that was the first thing that popped into my head. And obviously we, we're looking at this. We were looking for some kind of Michael reference. Right. Uh, the gloves were the glove. The one glove was incredibly obvious. But I do love how he put uh can you feel it in there? It almost felt like not only like a nod to the Jacksons, but like, can you feel the electricity? Can you feel what's happening right now? Can you feel this awesome moment right now? So, which is what the Jacksons, you know, that's where they start their show with. Can you feel it? That's right. So, I mean, it, I just, it was fantastic. And I, I listen, I have screamed for Usher in the room with Usher while watching him skate around that damn stage at the park MGM. So I, I didn't need this. I didn't need this. Cause I already done seen the man. Okay. Fantastic show paying homage to Michael in a very tangible way. And at, at a time when a lot of people don't want to, don't want to shout out Michael. So good for him. Now I know there are a lot of folks 
who were upset that he didn't bring Justin Bieber out for some reason. This was a, a colored party for Black History Month. That's the way I saw it. And I really appreciate um, him bringing out Luda, Lil John. I mean, the soundtrack of our club, clubbing days, really. What was Justin Bieber supposed to be there for? Because, you know, Usher discovered Justin Bieber. In the same way Diana discovered Michael. All right. It's all marketing. And so, yeah. but yeah. Anyway, um, and maybe he did really discover him. I really don't know the story here. Anyway, I think my favorite Michael tribute was the single white glove. So who else said that? Was that you? Because if you're listening, if you're watching this performance and you don't know, can you feel it? And you think he's just wearing sequins because celebrities wear glitter and sequins. There's no doubt about his shout out to Michael with the yeah. single white glove. Everybody around the world recognizes who that is a nod to. So that's probably my favorite Michael moment because he had that on the whole time. So it was like Michael was with him. The presence of who inspired him was with him mm-hmm. throughout this entire performance. So we want to give so much love, a big shout out. And in Black History Month, it was the blackest Super Bowl. Anytime you got a bunch of people, a bunch of niggas from Atlanta, on the stage of the Super Bowl, this yeah. is a black experience. Yeah, very black. It's very it's, Atlanta. It's is very too, black. It's too black for some black people. For me, it's too <laughs> black for me. I know that ain't true. You've been in Atlanta more than once. I've been to Atlanta, and I don't enjoy going to Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Atlanta. Um, and so ATL, you know, peace up, A Town down. And we, there was one point I do want to point this out because I saw it when I on the watch back when Usher was did a uh, superstar. And when and you know he starts with this is for my number one, but the first line of superstar is spotlight big stage. Uh he did the whole Michael single spotlight thing mm-hmm. at that moment too. So there are a lot of little things that he Lots did. Lots of little things. Let me ask you this and then we'll close out the talk about Usher because to me, Usher was a 10 out of 10. I don't know what you oh, felt. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it was a 10 out of 10 performance for me. I love the fact that he was not selfish and he shared that spotlight with so many people who helped make his biggest hits the biggest hits, right? My boo, Luda, and Lil John on Yeah, Jermaine Dupri, essentially from the inception of his career. Um, he couldn't bring Diddy because, of course, it's oh not God. a good time to oh bring God. out Diddy. Oh, God. Um, How did he get here? He's not. That's the point. Okay. He couldn't do that. But he, he really made a point of sharing that moment with people who otherwise will not be on a Super right. Bowl stage performing. Right. So mm-hmm. I really like that. So... Beyond that, let me ask you guys one more thing about Usher's performance. A lot of time was spent online. It's a lot of chatter about how this can't top Michael's uh, performance. And uh, Michael says the best Super Bowl halftime show of forever. I just want to get y'all's feedback on that, that sort of commentary. Anytime anyone does any goddamn thing, anything. Go ahead, Z. Michael Meat Riders. Wow. That's all they are. Michael Meat Riders. I don't like writers. that term, but I know what it means. Michael Meat Riders. <laughs> mm-hmm. You didn't need to know. Michael Meat Riders. That's all they are. They think. He says it he, with glee. Because so <laughs> I mean, they think because he did it first, it's automatically it's the, the best. best. And honestly, the first time you do anything is really not the best. It's and a blueprint. I want y'all to think about the first time you've done a lot of things in your life. 
and whether <laughs> whether or not you had the best experience. I'll just let you fill in the blanks there. But you're right. The first time there's something iconic and groundbreaking about being first. He set the standard for sure. Um, like the playback was messed up on Michael's. Uh, oh, it was yeah. a lot of stuff going yeah. on. And we learned that, which I figured they had plugged in some applause and things like that because it sounded like it. Well, we found out that that was actually true. So there's a lot of a lot of different stuff. I thought Michael gave you a crowd participation like nobody else. Oh, Maybe. yeah. <laughs> he had everybody in that on that in the stadium holding up a sign. So, yeah. And he took the opportunity to truly highlight something he felt was bigger than himself. Yeah. Which was the suffering of children and people in need around the world through Heal the World. So th- he's always going to have his own little spot to sit on. But ain't no need to bring him up every damn time. I think that's what you're trying to say. Because it's like like with The weekend, how he broke one of Michael's records, right? And everybody got upset because he broke Michael's record. I mean, it's just no reason to keep Michael at such a high. I mean, it is a reason, but there's not really such a reason that nobody else can't be up there or maybe above him. Now, ain't no above. Um. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean like above. I, wrong choice of words. I mean, like. Like break his there. records. Yeah. 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 Who cares what is the record? Like, okay. Like, do you know how many people should have records but were excluded from records because they were black? Or because they were women. So the, all that stuff really is subjective in politics and all this other stuff in between. So who cares about records? There's plenty of people who were not acknowledged via the record books mm-hmm. that should have been. Yeah. So I just don't and I don't I don't get that. I don't get that. It's a weird sort of fan thing. Yeah. That is not all fans. Just no. a just a just a group. And you beloveds, I, I've said Make this before. <laughs> but aren't y'all tired? Y'all fight. You stay, you know, fight or flight. They stay in fight mode. Stay in fight mode. I don't understand. About everything. Michael if it ain't didn't need to be brought up. Yes. Okay, if you think Michael Jackson had the best Super Bowl halftime performance of all time, I I think he did. I I love his performance, but this is Usher's moment. You don't have Mm -hmm. to, you don't have to throw Usher under the bus to lift Michael up because Michael would have enjoyed that performance. Let's be honest. As extra as Michael was on stage, Michael would have loved every bit of all that chaos that Usher had going on in his performance. And his performance told a story. My, uh, you know, Usher's performance told a story. Mike would have loved that. So y'all stop fighting. It ain't fight for what you need to be fighting for. Like 250 K. That's what y'all should be fighting for. And your, your student loan forgiveness. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying this, like, I, I agree. Like there's no reason for him to be brought up in everything. And I thought, you know, let people have their shine in their moment. Give yeah. people their flowers while they're here. And that's exactly what we, what people were trying to do with Usher. And there's no yeah. reason to insert Michael. Michael got his flowers while he was here above yeah. and beyond most Oh, absolutely. He got his flowers and he's still getting his flowers. Let's give Usher his moment, his moment. to shine. There was no reason 30 to 30 in- years in the making. I mean, no the, remember to at the top, that. it was like this performance is 30 years in the making or whatever. Like Usher has been working his entire life. He said, Thank you, God, and Mama, we made it. And and and, and let listen, him have it. Let him and he had such a human moment even in that instance where he said, I know I'm here to perform, but I have to stop. I have to build me a space for five seconds for me to acknowledge my mama mm-hmm. and my creator. Mm-hmm. And that's beautiful. And so, yeah, Usher deserved all he got. Some of my favorite tweets online, which I retweeted so you can go to our page if you haven't seen some of these things. Um, one from at Chasing Kia is the fact that Beyonce and Usher are 25 plus years in their careers and still 
leaders in their respective genre and culture is wild. Michael's real babies. That's a fact. That's, That's a, a fact. fact, Jack. And Beyonce looked good up there with her blowout. She did. She looked wonderful. Another retweet from TJ Jackson. Usher's doing his thing. The ultimate performer and so many other talented artists and dancers sharing the stage with him. Yeah. Uh, MC Hammer said Usher halftime was lit. It was. Usher won the Super Bowl, really. He won it. Black Jackson State Podcast said Usher is so deserving. And we still stand by that. Travis Payne, the one and only Mr. Travis Payne, said, Happy Super Bowl. Hashtag Usher Bowl. Um Oh, and can I can I mention that that he brought back that that you chain just for us? He did, because he knew that y'all was for us. He knew y'all wanted that to That was for it. us. Mm-hmm. If y'all don't know about Usher with the U-Chain on, then you're too young to be in this conversation anyway. <laughs> queer, queer Latifah at the Afrocentric one said it's hashtag Usher having on that one glove from Michael Jackson. So much love was given to Michael, but certainly much love deservedly was concentrated towards Usher and his phenomenal career mm-hmm. as an entertainer, as an artist. The soundtrack of our young lives when yeah. we thought we knew what love was. Yeah. We still figuring that part it out. It started when we, still we were younger. You know, but Usher gave us so many, so many hits, you know, so hit many things. Hit after hit after hit. So many things to look back on and remember your youth and remember where you were and who you were with and the people you love. Shout out to Tiffany Simone and all the people that, you know, you was in the club with. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's a whole nother little conversation. That crunk music. Woo. These kids don't even know about crunk music no more. Cause Love in the Club, when that came on, first of all, DJ was about ready to go home at that point, but he put that on for y'all. <laughs> okay. So you can go ahead and figure out what this last dance going to look like for you. Thank so you. anyway, wonderful halftime show from Usher. We couldn't have asked for a better performance. I loved it. Uh, let's move on to some Michael news. Um, we're going to wrap <laughs> this thing up. We have talked a lot about the casting announcements that have been recently made and we talked about them inside of our patreon so of course you have got to go over there to get our full throttle to get our full analysis of most the important casting decisions we're going to take the unimportant casting decisions and talk about them here (laughs) so unimportant that's not um, true everybody is essential to the story Top Gun Maverick star Miles Teller, which I did yeah. see Top Top Gun Maverick. I was coming back from a conference and I put it on and I fell asleep. This is really boring. <laughs> <laughs> this is a remake or like a continuation of, of the yeah the nineteen the, the, the original Top yeah. Gun, which I had never seen, but I knew that um, yeah. what's his face was in it. Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. Anyway, yeah. that's a generational movie. I think. I yeah, think you had to be. You got to be an '80s. Um, you had to be born into like the '70s or '60s to appreciate yeah, Top Gun in '86. I, I didn't get it. But anyway, Top Gun Maverick star uh, Miles Teller has closed his deal to join uh, the biopic, and he's going to be playing the role of uh, the attorney and thief. Attor- the, of whom? I think I added a word. Of whom? Um, the, I, the attorney. John okay. Michael's attorney. I added the. I, I heard that. I read into it, but it's not what it says here. That's I'm sure says, John says, didn't put that out there in this. Time. <laughs> John did not. Okay, but he clearly is putting out this idea of he shepherded Michael's career. Um, and I think that's his. These are his words. I think he had a list of words. He said, "When you write your article, here's some suggested words and phrases for me. Shepherded. I'm a shepherd. When my sheep hear my call, they come running to me." 
You need to move on past this. <laughs> so, so anyway, so we've got that um, that news coming out. I think a lot of the the chatter in the fan community was that John, hmm, why is it so important for to announce your casting before many this other is his important pick? He said okay. he's Michael Jackson now. Mm-hmm. Remember, remember John is Michael Jackson now. So uh, first of all, John I'm Michael is Michael Jackson now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Fucking real boy. Clown. Um, John. <laughs> anyway, I'm supposed to be cousin Liz. Go ahead. So Vlad really is reaching with this casting choice because this young man, he's pretty, doesn't look like the John that I've seen. <laughs> and maybe as a maybe John in another life looked differently, but I've also seen pictures of John from the 80s, 90s, and today, as the radio station says. This young man doesn't look anything like John Brackett, but maybe this is what John looks like in his own mind. He's just another basic man. Mm-hmm. Specific type of basic man. Mm-hmm. I'll let you guys fill in the word that goes between basic and man. You figured it out? Good. So, anyway, I agree. We didn't need to know who's going to play him. We did. Why was that such a high priority on the list of casting? Is that <laughs> he wanted to make sure like, that he looks what? good. So before all the brothers and sisters, before Barry yeah. Gordy, before would, let me tell you something about John. What John Dam Branca? I would be shocked if he even cast anybody to play any other family member other than Joe and Catherine. John would—he's the type of dude that would act like none of them other none of them other Jacksons exist. We need to start a poll. Do you believe John Branca sleeps in Michael Jackson's wig at night <laughs> to channel? Now power. I do believe. I can't remember if it was here on the page. Yes or no? Does he sleep in the wig to channel power? No, not which wig? The power wig. Which one is that? The curly it's, one. It's a lot of them. The curly one. I like his the one the little Richard the straight one. back. The little Richard one. No. <laughs> no. Do one with No. You wouldn't let me talk about it on the 12 days, but Lil Richard said that him and Michael We're not going to talk wigs. about it on the Black uh, okay. on the ba- Black History Month either. Okay. I just think he probably sleep in the wig or he sleeps in the glove. He sleeps in something to channel some power. I I don't know because if that were the case, he would be a, a halfway decent human being. Michael was a good person. He's a good man. So I don't know. No, well, I don't know what power he must. He no. What you think, Gen Z? What you think about uh, John being being his casting being announced way above every uh, pretty much everybody? Unfair. Not needed, right? No. Why do you think he did it? Make himself look good. Self important. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, he's the most important person in this story. Don't you don't how. know that. He, well, so and he the story clearly is going to be told from the angle that or unless they, they probably are going to tone it down because they see the backlash that he was just so instrumental and instructive to Michael's success. And I'm not saying he didn't play a role, but we certainly wouldn't elevate him above many, many, many other people. The brothers. And especially people who were talking about didn't, you know, John is a white man coming up, you know, I think he came from like a musical family. I think he wanted to be a musician at one point. Clearly he has no musical talent. So he decided to go on the other side of it. And I think ultimately these are men from two different spaces and time and life and what reality was going to allow for you. What Michael achieved in his life is far 
above and beyond more than impressive than what John, John achieved, because that is literally the road laid out for someone in his shoes, a cis white male in his time frame, going from wherever he went from to being an attorney is not a hard road to, to hoe. Mm-hmm. As my grandma would say, it's not a hard road to hoe. Mm-hmm. Okay. But going from Gary, Indiana mm-hmm. as a poor, poor black people coming up in the fifties inside of American racism and American terrorism of black people to rise above that with not all the bells and whistles having to really scrap your way to the top. That's an impressive story. So the fact that John wants to insert his story inside of this story. Eh, 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 eh. So uh, this is my question. And and let me just say, so we've already talked about this in Patreon, but uh, Nia Long as Catherine, I love it. And the young man, Coleman uh, Domingo, who's playing Joe Jackson. I love it. Obviously, we've got Jafar as adult Michael. And then that young, young man as young Michael. So like, I love the casting so far. I, I don't really care who plays John, to be really honest. It's irrelevant in my life. But I wonder if in this movie we are going to address the issues that Michael had with Sony, because that was a huge part of the end of his career, making sure that he removed himself from Sony got the rights to his music from Sony. He wouldn't sell it back to Sony. Now, obviously we know John has just sold half of Michael's catalog back to Sony, but I wonder if John even is going to touch that in this biopic. No, (laughs) no. Shout out to Karen Faye, who the fan community has a love hate relationship with. And that, um, cosmetologists also have a love hate relationship with. That's because Karen know good and damn well. The way she did Michael's makeup and wigs sometimes just won't right. Remember that time he had them bangs with the straight bang. across bangs? No, I don't. Okay. I'm going to find a picture. Don't worry okay. about it. You keep talking. Anyway, I'm going to find a picture. I'm just saying this about Karen Faye. She has been sounding the alarm since 2009 about the injustices committed towards Michael Jackson. And she continues to do so even in the presence of this biopic which she has no faith in i don't think a lot of fans have faith in but there's difference between saying i have a lot of faith and being excited about something even if you feel the excitement is like damn i hate this with these people these bangs that's not good (laughs) you're right i don't know if she's in charge of that send her a message she has lashes on Say all that to say we got some ca- more casting as that continues to roll out. You gotta got you guys gotta go join our Patreon and see what we have to say in there. It's probably where we'll house a lot of this because we just don't have enough time on our monthly episodes to cover everything. So we drop a lot of the stuff inside of Patreon. Also, we could speak much more freely. Um, clearly, we still drop f bombs here, and you know, I'm supposed to not do that, but we'll get better. Let's get into it. It's Black History Month, and we want to dedicate this episode very earnestly and honestly from the depths of our heart it is dedicated to our ancestors everyone who came before us paved a way for us as black americans whether they are big or small we're not just talking about martin luther king and rosa parks and shirley chisholm and um adam clayton powell jr and uh whomever else came before us that is on a big stage we're talking about our grandmother Ruth Nettie Rankins Watford. And we're talking about all the people that without their perseverance, their sacrifice and their endurance in the face of unimaginable struggle, challenge, terrorism in this country, we could not be here today. We dedicate this episode to all the ancestors, ours, yours, ours collectively. And we most certainly dedicate this Black History Month episode to the incomparable legacy of the one and only Michael Jackson, who is truly a Black American and international superhero we also want to give a big shout out if you are not following michael jackson content creators who are black 
you should be doing it. You should be doing it. If you don't know who they are, shame on you, but we're here to help you. Check out the show notes. We've got some content creators that you have to follow. You need to follow. You must follow. Of course, if you're listening here, you're already following the Black Jackson State Podcast. Hopefully you're on your way to join our Patreon, but there are some other folks whose perspective, opinions, and content you have got to get with. We're happy to call them friends. Happy to call them fellow Michael Jackson fam community. And certainly it's Black History 365. Let's show some love to the content creators that come straight from the community that Michael was rooted in and a part of Black Michael Jackson content creators. All right, user 1.5, user 3.5. Let's get into it. I hope you guys are excited. We have a really fun episode today. Something I don't think has really been covered in the Michael space, which gives us an opportunity to step right in and talk about it. What are we talking about? We're talking about Michael Jackson, gospel music, the influence of gospel music on Michael Jackson and his art and those artists that he learned from that are rooted in that tradition. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Because listen, we all grew up in the black church, the Southern black church, right? A, a very deep and a very rich tradition of black spirituality and music and how that music and spirituality stretched across from black America in the South and in the Midwest and in the North, all the way to a little boy in Gary, Indiana, and how he envelops that and brings it to the world stage and pop music. I want to get you guys's just your initial reaction to the idea of talking about Michael Jackson and gospel music and gospel artists. Is it a match or is it a mismatch? What is it? Y'all talk to me about it. Honestly, Michael Jackson and gospel music, I'd say it's a match. It just, I mean, already knowing some stuff about Michael Jackson, Mm -hmm. he's cursing in there, but you know, Mm -hmm. I feel like if he were to like focused on gospel music, it would be a hit because he has the voice for it. He would have killed it. Oh, and and you know how y'all like to run and jump around? That praise break would have been crazy. <laughs> you know how y'all like to jump around. Michael would have killed that praise break. A one, two, three, ah! and he would have he would have killed that. Okay, absolutely, I agree with you. He would have fit right in that. Using one point five, what you think? Michael Jackson gospel music. Yeah. is it a fit or is it a mismatch? What no, you got? of course it's a fit. I mean, we talked about last year and last year's uh, Black History episode. We talked about Michael's dance influences. We also talked about Michael's musical influences the year before that, and a lot of those artists were reared in the Black Southern church and they have gospel roots so we're talking about mavis staples we're talking about james brown we're talking about jackie wilson we're talking about so many people who michael drew influence from we're talking about sam and dave we're talking about people who continued in this rich gospel tradition in their own music in their secular music and michael drew from them so of course michael and gospel music go hand in hand because that is the sound that he loved and that is the sound that he based his sound off of it's the sound of black america if you really want to be honest black american music and all music forms that come out of that are based as a primary base in gospel and spirituality um, in the church somewhere in inside of uh black spirituality which encompasses the tradition of christianity Mm -hmm. um and a lot of those things so this makes perfect sense i mean even elvis presley got his sound from he did from black america and black church Church. he he said that very clearly and then bill clinton said he he grew up in a black church he was in arkansas i'm sure he did listen 
So it's all around. It makes it makes it's a base of Michael's music. We hear it come up in so many different iterations and instances. And a lot of times people don't know he's sneaking in. We talked about this with Chris Lacey. Shout out to Chris Lacey. That's our homie. We talked about this with him. Michael weaving in those African and black traditional roots of gospel music. It's all throughout his music. So we want to pay homage to a lot of those artists, a lot of those sounds, and what is really the foundation of black America in a lot of ways, gospel music. So let's talk a little bit about it. User 1.5, I want you to give the folks, if you had to sum it up, because everybody on this podcast grew up in the black church. It's such a unique experience. Um, And it's one you can't duplicate anywhere, but it's one that if you had it, you can identify with someone who had it thousands of miles away because there's so many things that tie us together in this rich tradition of black gospel give us a little bit for the folks who are not familiar with and the folks who are international etc give them just a little history lesson about black american spirituality and gospel music encompassing those negro spirituals those sorts of things what if you had to wrap it up into a big summary what would you what would you say? So if I had to go, let's say a hundred words or less essay, <laughs> not 500, 100, a hundred words go or for less it. essay. And it's going to be a lot of ums and becauses in here. I'll cut them. Um, <laughs> basically the black spiritual movement really started uh, in this country with slavery and there were what they called Negro spirituals. So the only day that most slaves had off were Sundays. And on Sundays, the slaves had that day off so that they could worship, right? Their slave masters wanted them to bear down in the Christian faith, in Christianity. And so they had Sundays off so that they could rest and so that they could worship. Of course, because a lot of the slaves or all of the slaves came from Africa, they also had their own traditions that they were bringing inside of this new Christianity, which they were forced to adapt to. So a lot of the things that happened in the black church, the speaking in tongues, the uh, dancing, the shouting, a lot of that is rooted in African customs and traditions. But you also have what we call spirituals or Negro spirituals, which were songs that were meant to tell a story or meant to give you information or meant to convey some type of emotion. So if you think about steal away, uh, steal away to steal away home, steal away to Jesus. I ain't got long to stay here. That song traditionally meant I'm about somebody about to run away. I'm about to run away and I don't I'm not going to be here long. So I'm telling you, I'm about to leave. That's where gospel music comes from. This kind of folksy, bluesy, almost sad existence. <laughs> they were listen. They was fighting for their life, and, and we're 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 laughing because it's painful. So this is a mechanism uh, of pain. We're laughing in that in that sense, and and I say that to say because you you brought up something which um I had down here but I didn't say to you which was the runaway songs the slave yeah. songs so a lot of that was masked in gospel music yeah. that their masters would recognize as hymns, but that for them was sending a message mm-hmm. about what someone was about to do which was maybe to leave a plantation to run away that there was going to be like you said having got long to stay here they were talking literally about someone's we about leaving we're waiting in the water waiting in the water all these yep. gospel songs that were used as message songs um to convey that these people who were being held inhumanely mm-hmm. in bondage and not only inhumanely i mean the worst of treatments in bondage i always read every year i read up from slavery 
read. Don't ask me why. I just really enjoy that book. So once a year I read it. And one thing that Booker T. Washington talks about in his autobiography is how when he got to Tuskegee, he didn't know how to sleep in a bed. Mm. He didn't understand to get under the covers because that's just not what happened not in slavery. Lived, yeah. In slavery, you slept on the floor. Mm-hmm. Or wherever you could or find. Or wherever you could find. Yep. There was no, like a dog. Worse than a dog. These dogs sleep nice, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so worse than an animal is how people were treated. So they were sending inside of these songs of gospel and of salvation and of freedom, right? This is where yeah. blacks brought from Africa identified with Christianity. Because Moses and the Israelites had to come out of bondage into freedom. Mm-hmm. And so they were singing Go these down songs. Moses, that's another yeah, Go one. Down Moses, another one. So you have these songs. And that song was actually about Harriet Tubman. And that's the goat right there. If y'all don't put her on the goddamn $20 bill, I yeah. swear. <laughs> Andrew and Jackson, we gonna let him stay? Well, he racist. A you big know. one. Trail uh, of Tears. He actually is from North Carolina. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I also We don't have no statues of him, though. This I don't think. We do. Do we? Yeah, I've seen Where? it. Uh, in front of the uh, Capitol building in Raleigh. People who took down statue. Silent Sam, you know what to do. Um, but I, I and I will say this it, this also rooted in slavery and this is just because I'm a history nerd um, and especially with black history cornrows were also uh, a way of defiance uh, cornrows were actually a map to tell people how to get to freedom so people would cornrow somebody's hair and it would literally be roads or this cornrow might mean it's a river there or this cornrow might mean there's a house there and the cornrows were actually maps to freedom that's amazing and i'll tell you why because i read this book a long time ago and if i get some stuff wrong and someone's read it y'all just tell me it's called hair a hair story and it talks about how hair was such important had such importance in africa so mm-hmm. when they brought a, they the europeans knew this so when they brought a lot of those africans from these places they would shave their head mm-hmm. to take away this another identifying characteristic right shave your head down because mm-hmm. hair would tell you a lot of things about people so that makes sense that they then were remembering that in your head in your hair quite mm-hmm. literally we can have a message that someone will understand use the 3.5 i'm gonna bring you in here as, as the voice of gen z on this podcast what you know about it? Is this all education for you? What you know about black history, gospel music, how those songs were used by so many enslaved people to signal a a map and a sound of freedom in defiance of the bondage in which they were faced? Answer to the first question, I'm mostly just sitting back and listening to this. And a lot of it is new to me, especially about the corn rules. I didn't know anything about that. I thought that was just a, a style that we picked up. It is now, but originally, yeah. Everything comes from somewhere. You always got to remember that. Everything has an origin. So that's really good because, listen, you're going to continue to learn, you know, and as you you have to continue to be a student of yourself. You You are not just in this world, just floating about. Continue to be a student of yourself, a student of black history. It's really important. Let's move on. So since you don't have much to say, mute yourself. And and learn. Not mute yourself. <laughs> All right. So we talk about black spirituals. Yeah. Okay. Uh, slave sp- slave songs. Uh, we talk about call and response. We talk about yeah. um, so many African traditions that were brought and retained by the slaves and then incorporated into Christianity. You hear it come out um, in the music. Michael Jackson does a lot of call and response. You remember call Bad in there. Is a big one. Bad. Bad we got did call and response. They were huge for call and response. Big. Yeah. 
big. Okay, so we see all this stuff. We're going to come back to it because if y'all have never heard this information before, I hope you're taking notes. hope you're getting baptized and yeah. saved today because we're going to fill you with the Holy Ghost on how Michael Jackson has incorporated the gospel tradition into his music. Yeah. Let's talk about growing up in the black gospel tradition. What does that look like? Because what it looks like today looks honestly a whole lot like what it looked like 60 or 70 years ago. So let's talk about it and let's talk about the performative nature of black gospel used at 1.5 if the folks have never been to a black church and they were walking right in, let's say you were Paul Paul walking into <laughs> Ebenezer out in Atlanta where they were singing. I don't remember what they were singing, but he was lost and confused. If you, if this was someone's first experience in a black gospel church, tell them about the performative nature that they're likely to see here being filled with the Holy ghost and everything in between. Yeah. I mean, listen, the best way I can describe the black, church is literally it's like going to a concert and a, a acrobatic show like it's it's really if you've never been you don't understand there uh the freedom that people feel inside of a black uh, inside of the black church to literally say what you want uh raise your hand and say thank you stand up and you know like there really there are very few things that are off limit inside of the black church the choir, the praise team, anybody that's singing 100% expects audience participation. Okay. This is not a show. This is something that we're all participating in together. And you really are, I mean, it really is an experience. And what I will say too about gospel music is that, you know, coming up from the spirituals and the hymns of traditional uh, churches, then, you know, from slavery, you come up from there to like country music and folk music, which is traditionally black music. And then you come up to like blues and R&B and jazz. And then by the time you get to, to modern day gospel music, it really is a, a mixture of all of those genres of music. So you have gospel that pulls at your heartstrings and makes you cry. And then you have gospel that makes you want to get up and dance. And then you have gospel that makes you think and makes you reflect on who you are and who you want to be. It really is just a, 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 a huge ball of all of these styles that have all been at one point were predominantly in the black community because we got to have to remember after slavery people of color in this country were still living in impoverished conditions in their own communities where they were where they probably didn't see somebody who didn't look like them until they went to work so within those communities there were certain things that were unique to our community which is why we say we have a black culture because there are still things that you would hear only in black culture there are things you would only see in a black church the music is uniquely one of those. I couldn't agree more. And like you said, there's so much here. And now let's take it back to African tradition and also slavery. So there's a cathartic element to being able to express yourself in the most expressive way when otherwise you are reduced to the most docile mm -hmm. of individual of humanity, of li literally below humanity. Slavery was not just forced labor. It was rape. It was separating families from one another, separating mothers from children. It was forced um, mating and what they would call breeding, all these things. But then when they would give you, like you said, an opportunity on Sunday to and they the the slave masters and in, in that population used this method 
as a way to control you. They thought this would control you. But in, in essence, they were incorporating not only their African ancestry in the, the heart of who they were with the European style. They were doing that. And then in an act of defiance, being so expressive in a way that was inside of Christianity, but recognize this African dance yeah. and this African they were still being catching the spirit. That yeah. is an African idea, mm-hmm. right? Uh, of enveloping those things. So and you see that in the African dances now. You can see that like when they go to those like really far kind of remote African tribes and, and they're like dancing and like you still see that kind of expressive dance where you use your entire body to express something through dance. And and it's just really incredible that they remembered that they you know even when the people who were holding them in bondage wanted to beat their culture out of them to beat your soul out of you they were like no this is who i am and this is who we are and this is what we're inside of our church this is what we're going to do. And also we're going to honor our ancestors in this way. I thought what was really interesting also is inside of this space, you have um, think about Michael Jackson at the Grammys in 88 and all the, when he was mad at y'all, all y'all the, didn't give him no Grammys. All the he was mo- Beyonce that year. Yeah, he was Beyonce. His Beyonce year. <laughs> all those moments where he's twirling and spinning and he looks like he's possessed by something mm-hmm. and they can't, they can't identify it in the audience. They look like Paul Paul. When it was looking like Papa, that is the Black American tradition and gospel, right? That is that thing, right? And you can't put your finger on it, but that's it. And that's what's happening. And Michael Jackson encompasses this throughout his entire career and catalog. You hear it and you see it come up where he is in the spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Period. Okay. And that's a lot for Jehovah's Witness. That's a that's a lot. But you know why? Because of what we're about to talk about next, which is that where his roots come from. His mom in her memoir talks about how she grew up singing in her local Baptist church. She wanted to be a country Western music singer, but she grew up singing because black people invented country music as well. Absolutely. And rock and roll. And so she grew up, but she grew up in her local church, her local Baptist church. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Singing in her local Baptist choir. So what was she singing with her kids around the house? Country, Western music, Negro spirituals, things she's, she sung in church. These things are getting in the soul of her children at a very early age. And this is also something that is very common in the black tradition in America. It happened for us. We sung in church. We know what that's like. We know what it's like to, to the seriousness of that understanding your spirituality and grappling onto it, which is why it's not so shocking that Michael Jackson was such a spiritual person because he comes from a tradition where black people were very much so leaning into spirituality for a sense of freedom, sense of self and self-respect and awareness. Yeah. And this is a history. We're going into a history lesson now and we'll get back to Michael in a second, but you have to remember for people who were in bondage, the only freedom that they knew that they would ever have was in death. And in death, you wanted to go to heaven. You wanted, you know, because then you would see all the loved ones you were separated from. Then you would have peace. Then you would have rest because they didn't have rest on this side. And so Christianity and and religion became a central part of the slaves because that's what they were striving for. And it's so sad to say that in death, there was the only peace you were going to have in life and the only freedom that some of those people were going to have ever. What uh? What's Miss Seeley saying? Color purple. Nothing but death can keep me from. Oh no! Till you do right by me, everything you think. When she oh, was talking to uh, what she Sophia, talking? when she said, "You told Hoppo to be me." Mm-hmm. 
And she said, this life just sometimes, yeah. heaven lasts for always. Yeah. I mean, think about the imitation of life. That's not, that's not the, what's, the, what's the real lyric? What's the, I what's, don't know. What's the real line? Yeah, heaven, Y'all heaven, gotta, heaven lasts she always. She said heaven lasts always yeah. or some, something to Jennifer. But I love, I love Whoopi Goldberg. The imitation Whoopi of life, which is one of my favorite movies ever. The 1959 version of The Imitation of Life. Miss Annie, who was working for that white lady, who was working for Lana Turner's character, mm-hmm. she worked hard all her life to save up for an extravagant funeral. That's all she wanted was her white horses to carry her and her. And all of that is a holdover from slavery mm-hmm. because she was just like I just want these grand horses and I want to go out and grand style like ma'am you're dead you're not going to get yeah. to see any of this but she wa- she knew that her home going needed this to be the-, the biggest day she said the day we are born and the day we die the two greatest days of our life this was the moment of dignity for so many slaves which is yeah. why you see this and, and this is jumping off the off the cart we off we off topic now so many slaves and not just slaves black people because white people wouldn't handle our bodies So you die. They didn't want your money because they didn't want to handle your body. We had segregated cemeteries as well as everything else. So from rooted to tutor, it was segregated from the hospital to the grave, segregated. But anyway, this moment was a lot of times a moment of the most honor Mm -hmm. to be bestowed upon you in your life was in death. And so that's why you have these very grand gestures in death because in life, none of that. And so in death, you will be uplifted, right? Um, in this moment, which is why funeral, um, black funeral homes, black undertakers are so revered in our community be in part of that. Anyway, that's beyond the point. That's not the point of this conversation. If y'all want to more learn more about black history, join the Black Jackson State Podcast, Black History. <laughs> <laughs> the Black History Roundtable. The Black History Roundtable. Because <laughs> um, we're real students of it and we love black history. Mm-hmm. This is very true. Um, you know where we learned our black history? What is that? In the church. In black church. We were gonna, I was going to add that too. Like uh, so much black history is learned in the black church. Yep. And that's true for us. Um, user 3.5 recently got a, a very high praise from one of his teachers who said he knew so much about black history. And where did you learn it? He learns it at home in the church. Because you cannot, black people know you cannot wait for someone else to teach. And all, all cultures really know this. If you wait for someone else to teach your history, you wait for them to teach it wrong. Mm-hmm. You better teach it. Tell your story the way you remember it, and not let somebody tell it. Because the if they you let them tell it, it's gonna be distorted. Um, and Michael fans should really definitely know that reality. That's our Black History Fact three sixty five. Here we go back to Michael Jackson and his gospel direct influence. Again, what we were talking about is where he got his influences from in gospel. His mother for sure, but Michael Jackson is of the Motown family mm-hmm. and everybody in Motown went to church baby so get what what did he get we got James oh James Brown's not in Motown but let's just throw him in there was not in, it in don't Motown. even matter because James Brown is so influential we're gonna throw him in everything we could talk about Michael Jackson Kool-Aid and we gotta talk about James Brown in a red suit <laughs> representing the Kool-Aid brand so anyway James red Brown we got Marvin Gaye Eddie Kendricks Paul Williams Jackie Wilson Gladys Knight Mavis Staples so many Motown artists mm-hmm. grew up and came because that's where black people learn to sing that's where yeah in the church and they really made you pick back in the day because you was a demon if you if you didn't sing gospel they was really an all of some and you know all or nothing game here mm-hmm. for black folks you was either out in the streets hoeing <laughs> singing that secular music you was for G- you was for christ or you was for or, the streets or, or for now oh you was for the streets yeah. so they really made you pick but a lot of people who decided they was gonna be for the streets came out of black gospel i'm trying to think did frankie lyman come out of uh the church as well 
Frankie Lyman. I'm not sure, but I mean, off the top, I can think like Sam Cooke. So many. Aretha Franklin. I mean, mm-hmm. they were at Motown, but yeah, I mean. All these people that Otis influenced Redding, yeah. all The OJs. Um, yeah. These are folks in the church, okay? And they brought that church sound, which is so unique. You know it when you hear it, baby. It's all over Michael's music, and you know it when you hear it, if you're from it, or you know something about it, okay? One of two ways you're going to know it when you hear it. You, you know it because you're from it, or you know it because you know something about it. Mm-hmm. One of the two. So Michael goes to Motown. All these artists, we and I, that ain't nothing but a gospel run. <laughs> <laughs> you know you make song. me wanna shout. I feel on, like man. I feel like we say that in church. Not knowing it y'all was, was tuning not up. a gospel song. Y'all was tuning up to shout. I feel like we sang that. Oh, like that's Sunday the Isley. Shout out to the Isley brothers. Shout out to Ronald Isley. All these gospel influences on Michael's sound. Let's talk about the very, the the biggest one, of course. We always talk about James Brown and Black History Month because we can't talk enough about James Brown and his influence on Michael Jackson. James Brown comes out of the church, right? Comes out of the jailhouse, baby. <laughs> into the church house. His famous flames. And with his famous flames. But what he learns in the church influences his entire performance on that stage. Absolutely. And who is influenced by James Brown? Michael Jackson. So the church is a direct line. Gospel music from James Brown to Michael Jackson. Use the 3.5. Can you feel, when you see a James Brown performance, when you see a Michael Jackson performance, can you see the church inside of those performances from those artists? I would like to say I can, yeah. In what ways do you think you can see it? I feel mm-hmm. like the way they sing and the way they, um, the way they dance. Because even though their dances are like similar but different, because Michael took a lot of uh, James Brown dances and made it kind of his own. And... I feel like some of those you would see in a black church. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, like the sporadicness, you know, just doing whatever. So, Michael, so there's something about, so, and, and, and the reality is that there is a level of freedom inside of this black gospel tradition. And you see that in James Brown, you see that in Michael Jackson, where they're doing something so off. It's clearly not scripted, it's just coming out of you. Hallelujah, yeah, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. You use like, your entire body to worship you mm-hmm. use your whole body right they say if you if you can't what was the thing they used to say if you can't uh clap your hands and stomp your feet if you can't stop your feet then, then wave your hand you know like <laughs> it, you use your hallelujah whole praise body, god no matter thank you jesus who you are. so yeah and michael was feeling the music and 99 percent of the black church is based on feeling 90 percent going all off of emotion all off of emotion. But again, Michael's in, Michael's hearing this, his ingestion is not just from the Motown sound, but also from his mother, also from the people around him, his community. Michael Jackson is so such an integral, not only his, his literal DNA, but he grew up in this space, right, where he's ingesting all these different things. And it's influencing his sound. It's influencing how he moves. It's influencing the dance them feet ain't just moving to move. Y'all go, how he do that? That's some church stuff. I seen it. I seen people moonwalk in church. Don't know how they got there. Who was it? You seen Tell them on YouTube and whatnot. Tell me who it was. You know who <laughs> so again, Michael Jackson, he's very incorporated into this black gospel tradition. Let's talk a little bit about the songs that Michael gave us that clearly identified him as a black gospel artist. Can okay. I I want to I want to start. I want to start. You want to First of all, name all the songs. Keep who the can, faith. Who can name all the songs? Man in the Mirror. Bam. 
and keep the faith. Okay. For sure. All right. And keep the faith is one of my favorites. All right. Will you be there? You, I didn't put that down, but you right. Heal the world. Why are we giving it heal the world? That's gospel? Yeah. For you and me. I Good. feel like the I mean, there's a choir. The children choir. There was a in choir the in Sister Act 2, and they lost to Lauren Hill's choir. So just because What's you're your choir point? doesn't your mean you're gospel is what I'm trying to okay. make. Okay. Um, okay, because that was a gospel choir versus a non-gospel choir. And y'all remember the scene. Let me see here. So I don't think we should, I think we should scratch that one. I think that's all I got. I had, cr- I had cry. Not, not Robert Kelly song. <laughs> because Andre not Crouch and, song. Andre and Sandra oh Crouch are in, are, that's their choir. Oh my God. Not a R. Kelly. I also fan. had you were not alone, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to. So you nobody. just had you sitting on top of Robert hard today, huh? Fear Kelly. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! What you think? Use a three point five. What are the songs when you think about Michael Jackson's catalog and you think about the songs that go? Oh my goodness! I have just got saved. I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I have turned my life around. What are Michael's gospel songs in his catalog? To me, the top two that come to my mind is keep the faith obviously mm-hmm. and i have to say heal the world i don't it's just heal the again i say like just because there's a choir thank doesn't you. mean it's gospel heal the world make it a better place it's very uplifting very positive but it doesn't mean it's gospel for me and he, he said turn the the the, the plows into uh, the, the, the swords and the plowshares he's referencing the bible that doesn't make it gospel it's a gospel song it makes it christian like oh Hillsong. Oh my God. It's a Hillsong song. Listen, Hillsong has some boppers. You hear me? They do, but they not gospel. Some I'm boppers. just trying to say they not black gospel. This is all I'm saying. But okay, I'm gonna let y'all have what y'all have. If y'all disagree, like you just I like I disagree. Well, since and since you disagree, I'll say you are not alone. That's that's for me. You're not alone. That'd be, you don't have to true. say she ate her. You don't have to do this <laughs> just to make her happy. He's my favorite. Stick with your guns. Stick He's my favorite. Guns. Stick with your guns. You don't have to do that for her, okay? You said what you said. And we you have a right. show and everything together now. Oh, my God. I'm proud of that. We have the Aliens and we have Abbott Elementary. Shout out to Abbott Elementary. It's a really good show. And Black Mirror. And Black Mirror. I told you it was a good show. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, I'm going to agree. 100% Man in the Mirror. Keep the faith. I definitely think uh, you are not alone. And Cry should be on the list. You guys think uh, Heal the World. Maybe also We Are the World, maybe? Because there's a choir there and James Ingram is a part of that choir. And I'm going to give you well, gospel there when you got James then, show up. And then uh, Will You Be There? And Will You Be There? <laughs> he had that Germanic thing in the front that we really want to go black gospel with that one. He, what? The sample of... Uh, the German thing. <laughs> I, I call them the, sing, the singing angels in the front. <laughs> the um, one he got sued about. <laughs> <laughs> you know... That's what we know it? We know... Dun, 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 dun. That's a gospel song. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Who's Michael's favorite gospel choir? The Andre Crouch. <laughs> <laughs> that was Andre and them. The Crouch singers! <laughs> you know it's Andre and them. He called Listen, them for everything. He didn't let nobody else have and nothing. The winings, and the whinings. And the whinings. He loved the whinings. Ooh, but we love the whinings now. Black people yeah. love the whinings. Yeah. He... BB and CC. <laughs> that's the ones a... you know, no. But everybody loves the whinings. And Marvin yeah. and them. But BB and CC is the ones. Everybody loved the whinings. Yeah, he loved the whinings. If you didn't think you loved the Lord, you haven't heard the whinings. <laughs> Wasn't it the whinings? Hallelujah, that, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Singing, the whinings were singing behind Michael in the 1988 Grammys performance, right? Accurate. Yeah. Yeah, go back and watch it, The only thing he y'all. needed was Lance, uh, Rance Allen. <laughs> <laughs> I 
He would have gave Michael some hee-hee moments. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, shout out to Rain Silent, who has passed away. Y'all Google it God if y'all don't know. his yet. soul. Google it if you don't know. If we calling out names you ain't if never heard If you don't before, know these names, and you need to go to a black church. Let's just go ahead and say that off rip. If you've never been to a black church, you call yourself a Michael Jackson fan. I don't care if you got to get in a plane. You better go see T.D. Jakes. Oh, my God. No. Why not? Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't... I won't stand for it. I won't stand for it. I won't stand for it. Shut your mouth. I won't stand for it. You can go see T.D. Jakes. I tell you, you can't see Eddie Long, your pastor. I ain't said nothing about Eddie Long. I don't want to hear nothing else. You can go. You mad because Power Bottom done got (laughs) I'm cutting that out. Power Bottom. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. If you need to make it to a black church, make it to a black church. I know they got black churches across Europe because y'all colonized everywhere on this goddamn planet. So I know <laughs> some black churches in Europe. Make yourself visible at a black church. And until then, go to Apple Music and download. Just go to gospel. You're going to find everybody we're talking about over there. Let's move back to the music and Michael inside the music. Michael incorporated this gospel sound in so many of his songs. Let's talk about why... Michael Jackson, and we're just we're just speculating now. Why did Michael Jackson feel it so important to incorporate this sort of sound into pop music? If you had to guess, or you it, or not only guess why, but also what the impact ended up being of that, because that's a that's a roll of the dice, right? Mm-hmm. So many people won't get this. Again, we talked about the bad video where he's doing a call and response inside of that video, which is a direct relation to the black gospel tradition. Why did he feel that this was so important? Was it successful? Um, I mean, yeah, no, it was definitely successful. Of course it was successful. It was Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was successful. I think he incorporated it because, again, like I said earlier, this is the sound that he grew up internalizing. You have to remember when Michael was running around on uh, these strip clubs and all these other places where he was going and when he was running around uh, on a chitlin circuit uh, with these black acts watching them i mean he talks about this in in moonwalker how people were working the crowd and how they were you know doing these these things uh inside of their performance this is something that michael saw as greatness when he was a child and this is something that michael internalized he said i want to be like that i want to be i want to work a crowd like jackie wilson i want to do right so michael incorporated this because he knew that this is a was a unique sound that in all honesty, only black artists were doing, but this also was something that he saw as what a successful artist would do. Someone who could really draw the crowd in because Michael was a showman. Michael wanted audience participation. He didn't want you to just sit there and watch his show, right? He wanted you to participate with the show, which is why Michael would hee hee, you know, and then the crowd would hee hee back at him. You know, Michael was a student of the game, 100%. So incorporating this, I don't even think it was purposeful. I don't even think he was like, oh, I want to make sure I have gospel influence in this. Gospel music is black music. These black artists might've started in the church, but then they, your secular artists and your black artist and your gospel artists were one in the same, you know, on one show, you might see Clara Ward and the Clara Ward singers. And you might also see James Brown later on the bill. People were consuming all of it. Genres weren't a thing. That's, I think that's why Michael said, I don't want to be locked into a genre. I just want to make good music. Genres weren't really a thing. 
you just liked good music, music that made you move, music that made you think, music that made you feel. I feel like I heard recently Rodney Jerkin say that the problem with like modern singers or modern R&B or whatever singers is that they don't go to church. <laughs> so they're not getting they don't have no soul mm-hmm. and um i think i agree i agree with you 100 percent um that's why i said like when you hear little michael jackson say we that's so black gospel church like that whole song is like church yeah like that whole rendition where you think he got that from it didn't just come out of his belly and even the ad libs, or you think about even now, if you go to church and somebody is singing a song, whoever the leader of the song is inevitably is going to go off on some ad lib tangent. I mean, we talked about uh, uh, Mavis Staples and how her Shimon was was an ad lib when she was performing live. That's a black gospel thing. Mm-hmm. You are singing and you say whatever comes out. There's no script. Once you get past a certain point of the song. There's no scripts. You can do whatever you want. You can sing however you want. You can go up, down, make it, make it work however you want. That's the hallmark of a great performer, though. Think about everybody talking about how Beyonce can, ooh, whoa, boy, whatever she's saying. Like, think about how people are so, oh my God, did you hear those notes she hit? That's a black gospel thing. It's really taking what you've been given, which is what black people have been doing for years. And what do they say? Make making sugar out of shit mm, turning your turning your <laughs> sorrow to joy that's you know? what that's that what you really do what and mm-hmm. and that's with blues music that's with Absolutely. r&b music i mean those country R&B, somebody and you rock know. and roll and all this stuff is is a all of these are children of black gospel yeah. and i think michael really did a good job of encompassing that like you said not necessarily so much and not so much uh intentional intentional i think it was intentional i think he knew when he incorporated choirs and andre crouch that this is not of the norm in the space i'm trying to occupy mm-hmm. but it's important to me it's a part of me. And don't nothing sound like a ble- like a gospel uh, choir now. Come listen, on now. Because if you can't catch the spirit, we need to go on and get these deans out you. Because listen. Don't nothing sound like a choir. I'm t- listen, keep the faith. We're going to get there some of your favorite. We're going to get to some of your favorite gospel artists that you wish Michael Jackson did in a collaboration. Well, we can get there in a moment. But let's talk about, like you said, it's all mixed into one. Let's talk about some gospel artists who actually took some Michael Jackson sounds and made them their own inside of gospel music. We're going to start with one that was sanctioned by the estate of Michael Jackson, uh, John Brankall and company. The Jacksons, can you feel it was remixed by the Michael Jackson of gospel music, who I have said <laughs> is the, the Michael Jackson of gospel. Who's the go- Michael Jackson of gospel music? Come on now. One and only. I Mr. Never heard him. I never heard that man called it, but go ahead. That's because me. That's me calling him that. Okay. I've been calling him that for years. I really think he is. He's so, he's so transformative in this space in a way that Michael was transformative in his space. You got to give this man his, they literally said, stop playing his, they literally went, black churches literally, this is not a joke, said of Kirk Franklin, don't play his music. He's of the devil. This is demonic. Am I wrong? No. When he came when he when he incorporated elements of R and B the same way people were incorporating elements of uh you know hip uh, bebop and blues and things like that into gospel and using that sound they literally blackballed him for a lot of for 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 many years in black music and look at what he's done but 
Kirk Franklin has brought so many people, has caught the ear of so many people for gospel music by incorporating a unique sound. So let's talk about Kirk Franklin remixing Can You Feel It by the Jacksons. What do you guys think about that remix with Tamala Man? Father, can you hear me? Okay. <laughs> Father, hear me? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's great. When it first came out, I was like, oh, this is really good. I mean, mm-hmm. Kirk Franklin is a student of the game as well. Oh, he, yeah. He's a gospel artist, but he is a student of the game mm-hmm. and he understands the power of music, the power of melody and the power of rhythm when it comes to getting a message across. And his message just so happens to be a Christian message, but he understands what music can do when you hear it and so for him to do can you feel it i just loved it and it was during the pandemic when we were all sitting at home looking crazy wearing our mask and talking about uh six feet and it really honestly brought so much joy (laughs) and uplifted me in that time where we were really isolated Mm -hmm. um when we were really isolated from each other and so i love that Kurt Franklin did I this. love Kurt, Kurt Franklin, Franklin is one of my favorite artists. Period. I recently saw him at his last tour last year. Amazing, amazing show. He's such a showman. And so it's all of him that reminds me of Michael. It's not just the music and what he's done that's transformative in that space. It's the way he moves on stage. It's the way he's able to captivate a crowd. All this stuff really reminds me of Michael, which was is why I say he is the Michael Jackson of gospel. I really think he is. But to your point, how poignant he is. He's so poignantly able to encompass a moment and the feeling of a moment. Oh my God. Yeah. And the way he did this with, can you feel it? He didn't just remix. Can you feel it? He preserved Michael's vocals. Mm-hmm. He took all other vocals. And well, as a matter of fact, I think he preserved Randy's vocals as well. Is as Randy still in that song? As so, he should. And, but then he added this choir and he added Tamala man. Mm-hmm. And we all got saved again. Repent of your sin, oh sinner. We love that. I mean, I love We love it. Uh Kurt Franklin. And Kurt Franklin, like, he's such a great songwriter as well. I mean Mike, All of that in a little package. i he's a she's a baby. He's a baby person. But he <laughs> I don't think I mean, he's an amazing he's songwriter. Short. One of my favorite Kurt Franklin songs, if you haven't heard it, here's a suggestion. Hero. The song Hero from song. the album Hero, where he's talking about 9-11 and how we all like needed a hero to come and save the day. And it's just a beautiful songwriting, a beautiful message. Kurt Franklin is that dude. And he's the master of remixing R&B with gospel. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. He is the master of that. Use the 3.5. Let's talk about how you feel about Kirk Franklin remixing a Jackson five song in the middle of the pandemic, in the middle of all this craziness about Michael still showing this love and homage to the beautiful music of the Jacksons, Michael Jackson. What did you think about that remix with the one and only Tamla man? Cause Tamla man going to take you to the King every single time. Her vocals are just superb. Like, a 10 out of 10 what you think about that remix i remember when, i think i heard it one time and in that one time it it's like i felt it got saved like, didn't you i don't in feel, your heart yeah like i don't feel a lot of give your life when to I christ to it, but i mm-hmm. felt it and i think it it brought me a lot of joy i liked it a lot 
I like that. So much joy. There is so much joy in music and gospel music. Some of that you're getting in Michael's, you're getting in Michael's music, whether he's gearing it towards gospel or not. Even when you hear something like Speed Demon, I can hear like the, you always hear these hints of gospel, especially when you grow up in the church, right? Inside of people's music. Um, So I agree. Like Kirk Franklin was able to take this song that's about world unity and people unity and turn it into a spiritual sort of transformative anthem how beautiful for him to be able to do that and like you said in the middle of an instance in time where we were all suffering in the same vein Mm -hmm. and to give you hope joy and entertainment in that moment so in that way in that way so we want to give a big 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 man we can't we could talk we could do a whole thing on kurt franklin we love kurt franklin Remixing the Jacksons, can you feel it? We talk about folks who are using Michael Jackson samples in their gospel music. I'm going to move on to another because we just listened to this one because we we all needed to hear it because I hadn't heard it myself. Kiara Sheard. Daughter of the presiding bishop of the church of God in Christ. Daughter of the presiding bishop of the church of God in Christ. Kiara Sheard samples Michael Jackson's 80s hit, The Way You Make Me Feel, and her amazing gospel rendition for a song called you are okay we all listened to this song we all heard it yeah what y'all think about encompassing michael jackson in this very jesus-centric space gospel space taking a very secular song talking about a woman the way you make me feel and repurposing that track for gospel using 1.5 I mean, it was a brilliant usage of the song. You clearly can hear it in the in the background um, music for the song. Kiara Shear is a is a phenomenal talent. She is a beautiful. She's a beautiful voice, wonderful singer. Uh, she's been in the gospel game for for a very long time. Her mom is Karen Clark Sheard. Uh, Who? So, Miss <laughs> Karen. Who her mama? There. Karen Clark Sheard of, oh, okay. of the Clark sisters. If you guys <laughs> don't know who the Clark sisters are, uh, you brought the sunshine. Google them. Um, you brought the sunshine. Uh, uh, like Twinkie said, listen, Stevie Wonder should have said, I took Master Blaster from him and did that yeah. song. Right. So yeah. again, like you see this mix of. Yeah. But again, it goes back to how black music in general should be without limits, should be without genres. You can write your song about whatever, but all of the music overlaps because it's all feeding. They all kind of live off of each other. R&B lives off of blues, lives off of jazz, lives, lives off of hip hop, lives off of gospel. They all kind of feed off of each other. So it was a great uh, incorporation of Michael's music, a uh, great homage to uh, Michael because he is an incredible artist, no matter what genre you want to ascribe to him. And I loved it. I thought that was good. Use a 3.5. What'd you think about the Kiara Sheard? So obvious incorporation of the way you make me feel into her song. You are. What'd you think about it? Um, Considering I've never heard it before until now. Which it, it, to me, it was a good song, yes, but it took me a hot second to kind of catch it. But when I did, it's like I, it still took me a second, but I got it. But you got it's it's actually very obviously there. You were you were working <laughs> and, and trying to figure out this song. Now you had to cut them like I'm that. just saying. It's, I mean, it it's is, true because like I it's heard there, it, but yeah. I was trying to figure out the name and trying to figure out what it was. Very, very. I don't know who put who produced this, who put it together, and said like we can rock the way you make me feel with this. 
But that's crazy, right? But Michael uh, continuing to influence multiple genres of music and sometimes, not even sometimes, all the time we are excluding gospel music from this conversation of his influences, right? right? And gospel music is such a part of his influence. Um, you know, I, I grew up playing organ in church. We would play, like, uh, we, we would sneak in the, co- the contemporary song, stuff that's popular you would you would be learning how to play that because you would you like the song and you sneak it into the church service that's the same thing happening here you have musicians sneaking in and singers saying i want to actually i actually like this performance i like this artist and i want to figure out how to incorporate this in what i'm doing so kiara sheared you are we are going to put links to these songs in the show notes so you can go hear it for yourself because i guarantee you most of y'all have never heard this i hadn't heard it if you've heard it before, drop us a note and say, y'all late fan. We was already on that. Let us know because sometimes we are behind the eight ball. We learn from you too. Let's move along to Dietrich Haddon. Dietrich Haddon. Not Dietrich. Dietrich has made a lot of waves in his career. But let me tell you here though. <laughs> But we love you. We love Deidre Gaddon. Yeah. With the voices of unity, this is the day it samples Get on the Floor. He literally says, get on the floor and praise with me. Okay, Dietrich. 100% Michael Jackson moving inside of this gospel track. We also took a, a moment to listen to Does that. Say, uh... I love the way you make me feel. He don't. He don't go to. He, I love the way you shake your thing. No shaking the things on especially. this one. Not especially either. That's a good disco track. My God, Dietrich, fantastic <laughs> get disco track, Michael. What do you think you. about Dietrich had in incorporating Michael Jackson? Big Mike. These are big Michael Jackson fans. Let's be clear. These are not just gospel artists incorporating right. Michael for the sake of it. These are fans. Listen, these are the people who I would have guessed if I had to guess somebody had a sample. These are the secular gospel artists, okay? And I say that with all due respect. These are the artists that that traditional people people who listen to traditional gospel would never pick up their stuff to listen to anyway uh because it's too secular these are also some of the artists who can appreciate all music right they're they're just not they're not only listening to gospel music they are also listening to everything else that's out there in the world and saying i like this music i like this song how can i incorporate it and make it my own I'm not shocked he's on this list of samples. Uh, <laughs> again, but it makes sense, right? Like when you think about Dietrich Haddon, it makes sense that he's a really big Michael Jackson fan. It makes sense that yeah. a lot of these people. I For mean, sure. I'm not shocked by this list at all. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. Listen, that is a fact. Let's move on. All right, and we're looking at our final, and there's so many black gospel music who have drawn inspiration from Michael Jackson. These are just our couple right here. You can go find so many others. Let's talk about Tony. Tony B. Slade. I don't know what he go by these days. I don't even know if he's still making music later. But anyway, let's talk about Alive from Out of the Box, the Out of the Box album from 2004. Oh my goodness, I bought this album because I like I, that album. Tone is so talented. Tonex, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. He's fantastic. He's amazing. Lord, make me over again and again. Oh. Hallelujah. Thank God. Praise Jesus. And restoration. Uh, restoration. Hello. Yeah. If you don't get saved off of that, you a demon. Yeah. Lord, I know. You a demon and you can go back to where you come from. Okay. Let's talk about Alive, where he incorporates very clearly. My favorite song. (laughs) My favorite Jackson. Dancing Machine. Dancing Machine. Woo. And he puts that choir behind it. 
it give it a bass boom boom. Yeah. You ain't never heard before? Yeah. Talk about Michael Jackson and gospel music. 3.5. Look, I want to get your impression of this thing, which I know you hadn't heard till we until we open up the floodgates of heaven for you for this Michael Jackson collab with Tony. Talk about it. What did you think about just the music in this thing? Just the music itself, the choir and the actual song itself, they somehow match perfectly. Cause you got you got high pitch, middle pitch, low pitch, right? Mm-hmm. They all work together. Obviously, that's how choir works. Got your harmonies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you ha- middle. <laughs> Shut up. One point five. You are not in this. Mute her. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And then you have dance machine. Just the um little breakdown, right? It's crazy, right? It's very beautiful. I love the creativity of thinking about how to put that together. He's not dead. He's a I love that. I love creative people who can think outside the box. Shout out <laughs> to, to Tone. Let's talk to user 1.5. You see the Jackson's dancing machine dancing all over this gospel track. In 2004, this was transformative again, talking about gospel musicians raising the bar and elevating their game to incorporating sounds that are outside of the traditional gospel matrix. Tone brings in Michael Jackson and the Jacksons and goes above and beyond. He goes to like level 20 on this song. Unashamed, unabashed. What do you think about it? Y'all let me off mute now. Yeah, we let you Thank back you. in the conversation. Um, you know, again, I'm not shocked that Tone is on this list. Again, secular gospel artists is what I I deem the, the they are. <laughs> what does that mean artists, to you? I Can you define that for the people? Okay, I call them secular gospel artists because, as you all know, I am a millennial. I was born in 1986. When I was coming, Old we were coming up in the shut up. When we were coming up <laughs> in the church, anything that wasn't uh, like a traditional gospel artist, like Albertina Walker, uh, Shirley Caesar, um, Rance Allen, like those were your uh, Lee Williams and the spiritual, uh, what was it? Spiritual QCs or whatever, like anything that wasn't a quartet group or traditional gospel, they called like secular gospel. Any of the younger artists or newer artists who were incorporating more R and B, uh, more beats, more, more, uh, uh, more R and B basically, um, we, or pop, they were called, we called them secular. I called them secular gospel artists because they were like, it was almost like listening to secular music, but it was still gospel. Tone is one of them people. He is a, first of all, incredible vocalist. He has his octave range is up and down the damn scale. If you've never heard Tone sing, I guess the best song to hear him sing where he is showing that range is probably restoration because he goes from very low to very high very quickly i was gonna say um, lord make me over lord make me over is Oof. a good one too he's a hallelujah praise god if vocalist. y'all don't get saved on this if we could have an altar call at the end of this <laughs> so that y'all can get saved on this podcast gonna pray you don't need to pray for nobody pray. you don't drop six f-bombs in this in this god podcast. knows my heart <laughs> hallelujah 
He knows my heart. So, I mean, Tone is a great artist. It Absolutely. does not shock Phenomenal me artist. that he is sampling Michael. The fact that it is, I'm sorry, not just Michael, the Jackson. The, the Jackson. Um, was it, but like, was it an appropriate sample? Did, did, did it it's fit? Wonderful. Yeah, tight, right? Yeah. Listen, do you know, I'm you gonna have to fight me on anything. If you tell me Dance Machine is ever inappropriate for any circumstance, you gotta fight me. That is my favorite Jackson song. Uh, actually, it's a Jackson Five song, but my favorite Jackson Five song, and it the it's infectious. The music is infectious, and then the fact that he's using that really high kind of music to say like he's alive he's not dead he's alive god is alive uh, it's fantastic and i just think it's a great i mean this was his live album right oh, so yeah. he did this in front i know everybody Ooh. in there was losing their daggone mind who went to detonate out of the box was it in the box out of the box whatever the box well, however you was in the box that album that if you went to that show please drop us a note let us know we want to hear about it <laughs> we did not see this show we had seen Kirk Franklin but Spencer, again he's he's a contemporary in that space but you had these other artists like Tone and Dietrich Haddon who were really uh, of course also pushing that envelope mm-hmm. and incorporating these secular sounds Michael Jackson big influences on entertainers yeah. you can be an entertainer in gospel these are entertainers in gospel these are people Absolutely. who get on the stage and entertain. Yeah. Okay. And so Tone, a hundred percent. And I love how he elevated the sound, right? He took the sound and said, oh my gosh, y'all killed it at this space. Let me elevate it. And people act like people don't elevate Michael's sound and they do. This is actually a really good example. It's hard to do. Yeah. Let me be clear. Yeah. It's really hard to do because Michael was so, such a perfectionist and such someone who was on top of his craft. But if you're talking about a sound being elevated, when those horns hit on Tone Nay's yeah, version, yeah. that bam, 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 yeah, bam, the whole and horn section, the going. foot stomping and the choir coming in, get saved today. Give your life to Christ <laughs> and listen. <laughs> it's just a reality. He he took this thing out into space with the aliens. That's why the aliens keep visiting because they said I heard something from over here well, they saw I keep too. seeing y'all not shit but I heard something from over you here about to alter call. Huh? I'm about to alter call y'all but he they said they <laughs> <laughs> you also said they not shit I don't understand What's I heard something on? from over here because the creator is greater than what y'all got going mm-hmm. on y'all clearly tearing up his creation but the aliens said they heard something and it had to be Tone giving up the name of the most high using the Jackson 5 as a sample in this thing and I'm preaching to y'all today and y'all can give a, a donation to the Black Jason State podcast via our PayPal our, <laughs> oh my God. our cash app you sound or, like you can, or you can join our Patreon but let me tell you <laughs> am I lying like Tone has done with a Michael Jackson sample a Jackson 5 sample something that nobody and I love what Kirk did I gotta put this over Kirk I ain't yeah, no, it's, front. It's, it's fantastic. I mean, but Dancing Machine, the song itself, and it's what at this point, um, fifty years old, almost, right? Like two, baby. Yeah, it really hurts to say because I'm thinking it's twenty, thirty years old. <laughs> come, at this point, come on, boomers or whatever it's y'all like are, fifty yeah. years old. So you're taking this this song that was created over fifty years ago, and it was phenomenal then it was a sound that was futuristic then and now you're elevating it to 2004 you said was when this uh 2010 this was 2004 2004 right so you're elevating it to 2004 where you're now adding all of these complex 
instruments in the background. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's it's wonderful. I mean, he's obviously has a musical ear, is a genius. Like I said, incredible vocalist. Mm-hmm. If you've not mm-hmm. heard him sing, just look, listen to one of his songs. It doesn't matter which one. You're going to know what we're talking about. And good for you, Tone. Good for Tone. Man, they they tore Tone down too because he started to get into some ideas that are outside of what, what black uh, black Christians are very conservative. So outside of that box, he started to go. But like I said, I would think of all the samples I've heard of Michael. This is the one that you template because let me be clear. I'm a musician. I grew up playing many instruments in church, playing the organ. I bought this album not because there was a Michael Jackson sample. I ended up finding out because I was a fan that there was a Michael Jackson sample. I bought that album because of Tone, because he is absolutely anointed. It's not an exhaustive list, y'all. I know somebody's going to say, y'all didn't talk about so-and-so and they did. They sampled Michael. Just let us know because we ain't talk about everybody. We know we haven't talked about everybody. So we, we're counting on y'all to help us fill in the gaps here to help honor those gospel musicians, those black musicians, and maybe some white musicians. I don't know if Kenny Rogers had a gospel uh, album. And, uh, to help us uplift those sounds. But we've got one more thing. We're going to get out of your way. Okay. We're going to let you go on about your business. We really had to stop and think to ourselves. If you had a dream team of Michael Jackson gospel collaborators, who would it be that you would want to see Michael do some songs with? User 1.5. I want to start with you. If you had three, two to three, three, who, two to three, oh who God. would you pick? Who oh would you God. pick? So this is, they are performing with Michael, singing with Michael. They got to be on the track. Right. So Michael and them are on the track. Correct. There's not a sample. Amen. So definitely Kurt Franklin. No, you can't use him. Why? Because we already did him. So? So technically he's already done a Michael collab. Oh my God. He's not, Michael is not. uh, Okay. So I would definitely say then Mary Mary. Okay. Mary Mary. would be uh, fantastic. I mean, when you think about gospel crossover they are one of the first artists i think about because shackles was on bt 106 and park top 10 okay Mm -hmm. um and that's a very gospel song um so mary mary for sure tori kelly has an incredible voice and she does incredible gospel music i think she would be her and michael could have done something really fantastic together and let me see i don't know so um, many good ones to choose from. Maybe Rand Allen for sure. We just because he got all that hee hee. He got a lot of hee hee in him too. Well, even like I'm gonna even give you like one. Shirley Caesar. I think that when well, you know, Shirley you know, Miss Shirley was and Michael was allegedly on that. I have this th- dream track for the Katrina victim. Allegedly, she was a part of that, and that's another story. I ain't get into that, but apparently, you know. We love Miss Shirley. It's your next in line for a miracle, Miss Shirley Caesar. But I got one for you that you didn't think about, but I think all the fans would agree with. You want to know who it is? Whitney. Whitney Houston? Mm-hmm. Well, she wasn't a gospel artist. She did a whole gospel she album with the Georgia Mass gospel. Choir. She did. she did. But that was also for a film. It don't matter. She did a whole gospel album with the Georgia Mass Choir. If Michael and Whitney had done a gospel song together, if they had done... Man in the mirror. Okay. Oh yeah. No, 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 no. I don't think. I I don't think that. And I said this before on a on another episode. We were talking Y'all about Whitney get Houston. Her. Use a one point five. Whitney 
Houston mm-hmm. is so out of this world talented. Her voice is such a powerhouse. She would overtake Michael. She would overtake Michael on a track. That's just my humble opinion. On a gospel track? On any track. Ooh. And I just think that's why I'm glad we didn't get that collaboration because she her she's just a powerful singer. Michael's a great entertainer and a great singer, but she's a powerful singer, which is different to me. Y'all know who to come after. Her voice is so grand and so big that I think she would have overtaken Michael. That's just my opinion. I get no, I get that I get that perspective. I don't think it was I don't I think that when you are a great singer and when you know you have a specific gift, like Michael has a specific gift. Mm-hmm. If you're ever gonna collaborate with someone, you have to know how to mold that gift to fit in the collaboration. Yeah. No, so I think I, that she would have done that. And I think Michael would have done that because he also could have took her out of the box for entertainment. They could have never been on the same stage together and her had any sort of shine. So you would have to like know dancing? how to sing. In any way, all she can really do is stand there and maybe do a two step. Yeah, I mean, but she can, she's, she, it's just her vocals are so powerful for me. That's just my opinion. I don't and disagree. I could be, I, you may not agree with me. So, you know, but I mean, I, I would love to have had a collab with Michael and Whitney, but I also am kind of glad we didn't get it because now we can. Well, listen, what if iron sharpens iron? You know, that's true. So I, I think it would have been nice to see um, if I had to, to to pick some gospel artists. I definitely would think John P. Key would have been a good collab oh, with Michael. John P. Key. Ooh. Living this life. Ooh. Just to live again. Hey, it's a catalog here. I'm really hey. going to be who got a catalog, man. People got a catalog where it's like, yeah, you you Fred making Hammond. it. Fred Hammond. Um, Corinne Hawthorne, who I mm. love, who's a contemporary artist, yeah. uh, who it, does a great job of mixing R&B with um, a gospel sound and flavor. I think she, Michael needed some sensuous sort of sounds. And so I'm thinking about like Corinne with like the idea of like um, a flow tree. Like I, to me, that is the analogies of her, of Michael maybe collaborating with a gospel artist. Who else? I mean, there's so many, Dorinda Clark, like you said, the Clark sisters, like the, <laughs> Michael would have really gone crazy if he had just dedicated a whole album to gospel songs. He could have really, blew the roof off the genre they would have been they couldn't even been mad they would have loved it yeah i mean uh, but again his forever gospel song for me is always going to be keep the faith that is the song when i heard it the first time i was like michael been to black church now he might he might have been like at james brown funeral he might have been sitting there sniggling and giggling but he he definitely been. We all sniggled and giggled in the black church. Uh, use a three point five. If Michael Jackson had to collaborate with some gospel artists, who would you want to hear him collaborate with? And what sound do you think you would get out of that? I feel like one gospel artist I would love to see him collab with would be probably Kirk Franklin. Everybody goes back to Kirk. I made your mama oh, not use with the Kirk, Kirk, but that's okay because he, he's Gen too. Z. Oh. He's Gen Z, so I'm gonna let him have Kirk. All right, so why why Kirk Franklin though? Because I feel like the way Kirk raps with the gospel, <laughs> and you know Michael do love a rap. Not the way Kirk raps. Kirk's not a rapper. He do be rapping sometimes. <laughs> he do be, he rapping. be rapping, but he's not a rapper. <laughs> Remember he brought salt out. Oh my god! Ooh, now that's they, hey. they get mad with yeah, salt. Yeah, that's a good one. Stomp, stomp. Yeah. So you think Kirk Franklin would be the guy, yeah. right? Okay. So if you had to pick a female gospel artist, who would it be? I see. I don't know who I'd pick. You need to get saved. You need to listen to more gospel. No, I mean, like, <laughs> we I, having an altar call at the end of this. Don't worry, you can bring your life to Christ. I wouldn't um, let her. I wouldn't I'm let just her saying, pray I don't know, like, what female <laughs> artist would 
Go bitch. with Michael. <laughs> um, like I said, I, I felt Corinne Hawthorne would be a, a good choice. I also thought that Dorinda Clark Cole, the, the the Clark sisters would be a good. You know what? Cece would actually be a really good choice if you wanted to tone. My Cece Winans, yes. <laughs> not your Cece Winans, because you didn't yes. bring her up. Alabaster Box, Alabaster Box, Cece Winans. I love. So Cece Winans probably would also be a really good choice. Um, man, there's so many. Um, Maureen Clark. Mm. If it had not been for the Lord on well, what my I mean, side, what the hell? Dotty peoples too. Dot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> boom, 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 boom. No, boom, Michael ain't ready for that. Michael ain't ready for that. If Michael y'all don't know, if y'all don't, if you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, know what you know. would have been. If you know, I you would know. have loved to see Michael Jackson and uh what was what oh i can't even think of the man name he ricky to, dillard no he used to come on i would Sunday love to see morning. Ricky what, bobby jones bobby jones no why just be on bobby jones gospel okay Can you see michael up there on bobby jones yeah and bobby being like we have a special treat in here for y'all today michael would have been so intimidated <laughs> michael would have been so intimidated by them gospel artists because i mean you they sang you down man they sang you down they, yeah you god, cannot yeah. god if there's one place yeah. in music you can't play around it is it's gospel yeah. you you better know how to sing and i will say this i know we're coming to the end of this episode we but are even for michael's public memorial the first song that was sung was a gospel song and it was soon and very soon yep we're going to see the king. So Andre I mean, Crouch. And it just, yeah, it just permeated throughout his entire career and even to his last days. So. As we said, from your the from back in times of our ancestors surviving the brutality of slavery from the time you were born to the time you died, it was so important. And uh, in that moment of sending Michael off in a golden casket, um, it actually en- en- encapsulates the ideal of what you were speaking about and why it's so important for Black America and for Black people coming up in a spiritual and gospel tradition um, to mark those moments in your life, right? From the beginning to the end. And Michael certainly did that. That was one part of that memorial that you just cannot forget is that choir singing soon and very soon we're it going caught to you. see the king. And that, that gold caught you as soon as it, out. yeah. I mean, woo. Praise God, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Give your life to Christ if you don't know him and the partner <laughs> you'll sing. All right, I'm going to head on out then. And if she about to do that. altar call, I'm going to head on out. Thank you guys so much for joining us for episode one of the Black Jackson State Podcast. This is the fifth year anniversary. This is crazy. Season six of the Black Jackson Estate Podcast. Black History Month 2024, but we are Black History 365. And inside of that, honoring the immeasurable, the incomparable, the unmatched, and unparalleled legacy of the one and only Michael Jackson. We are still the EST of Michael Jackson Podcast. We are the realest. We are the baddest. We most certainly are the blackest. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode user 1.5 user 3.5 any parting thoughts for the folks before we let them loose in jesus name and the altar call will be after this and you just got to stick around we'll we'll do it for you know altar calling on me but listen (laughs) y'all it's it's february it's the last day of february happy black history month we need a longer month we need a longer month baby Use the 3.5 Gen Z. What you got to say about it? Y'all don't know much, but what do you know about it? Bless God. Huh? Bless God. Bless God. Amen. If you don't know the Lord and the partner, you're saying, I, I, 
I encourage you to raise your hand right now and say, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Come back for March. We'll be back. It's going to be Women's History Month. So if you thought we acted up in Black History Month, oh, dear Lord, have mercy. We got a whole nother month of shenanery. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Black Jackson Estate Podcast. We'll be back next month.